Hello, my name is Peter Cinnamon. Irish League Podcasting is our game. Kicking Match is our name. Coming at you every seven days is our regular schedule. And we're finally on the precipice of what we've been looking forward to all season. The split is on the horizon at last. But before we get there, the little Irish League roller coaster had to pop in to Irish Cup semi-final station. Where the Cup said... We'll be keeping our European place this season, if you don't mind. Mostly in thanks to the efforts of the one team with a 100% undefeated record at Seaview. Yes, that team is somehow Balomini United. They left the leaders Lorne reeling after a mediocre march. Can they bounce back in April? And the crews were able to rely on some stalwarts of years gone by to beat the Swifts at their own late show game. As we prepare to run back one of the best Irish Cup finals in recent history. Not to startle anybody, but we are officially entering the business end of the season. I think we should all start dressing up in suits, some fancy wares, look. I don't make up the rules. I just decide to make arbitrary ones for people that listen to this podcast. Wouldn't that be a weird tradition that we all just turned up like we were going to some sort of fancy wedding? You know, it's easier to do that now that it's not absolutely Baltic all the time. It can be freezing the all time, but I have seen this big glowing fire in the sky that is providing heat. So hopefully I don't need to bring that third coat for these next few games. But even though there was only three games this weekend, I feel like they really delivered for the drama and the talking points this week. And here to join me and talk through all those little topics is another debutant. They are a commentator. They are part of the Portadown media team. They're a key part, actually, of the Portadown fan group We Are Ports, who are... The people here are behind a lot of the media stuff at Portadown. He is the person that's asking all the hot questions, those Portadown managers all the time. He is the Johnny that they've been saying, well, Johnny too, it's a massive welcome. I make some noise in your kitchen, car, bus, whatever, for Mr. Johnny Dunlop. Hello, Johnny. Hello, Peter. How are you? I am doing very well. It's nice to have a, a second Portadown representative on the podcast in a row, just by chance. I've had a few of you media people on the podcast over this season, and it's interesting because it highlights something to me where a lot of people that help out with Ashley clubs are volunteers and they've got involved because of their passion for the club. But for yourself, You've jumped in, you're the man doing comms for a lot of these games, play by play, and as someone who only started doing live football on the radio like a year and a bit ago, and that was pretty much being thrown in as a favour, going through the whole ups and downs and the bumps of that, I'm fascinated to chat to you about, I know you must have been a football fan for sure, you love your club ported down, but how did you find that learning process of putting on the mic because I have not even dared enter the commentary realm what was learning process for like that for you and how have you found it as you progress along we sort of threw in sort of at the deep end so to speak we started doing the live streams during COVID during the COVID season and it was something that we'd always spoke about but it was one of those things that was always putting the long finger and you always thought to yourself is this something that we're going to be able to do is there going to be a market for it will people want to watch live streams of, of Irish League games. And then when COVID came about, it sort of forced your hand into it. And Mark Beatty originally then done the, the commentary for it. Then Mark has, you know, he's took the general manager role at Portadown Football Club now. So he wanted, he obviously has to step back. He's more important things to be at on match days and stuff. So I was sort of three in at the deep end. And I didn't have much time to, to really think about it, to be honest, which probably helped. But I love it. The good thing about it is because it's, a, it's an in-the-house product as such, you know, we are Ports TV. You're catering primarily for Ported Out supporters, so you don't have to, you can show bias, you know, you don't have to pretend that you don't care who wins or anything like that. You know, you can play it blunt that you're a Ported Out supporter and you want Ported Out to win and you can get animated and excited when Ported Out score and you, you can sound down in the dumps when the opposition score, which this season has happened more than them. Um, more than I would like it to, but I love it. So I do. It's it's a big passion of mine, Portadown Football Club, and doing the commentary on a on a match day is a privilege more than anything. But with doing 
the club streams also comes the extra bit of pressure where you know most people are obsessed with their club and they know so many little bits of information that you have to know it's okay when i'm going on there and i'm not exact know how old that reserve left back for dungannon is but for you you need to know when paul mcelroy's christening was sometimes you know that's that's you have to be like that's the first time he's kicked it with his left foot since you know 2009 like you need to be on it and so many times you are like i've been out of games and i've kind of turned around to you and i'm like uh who was that or what's going on here and you know it but you say you love it and i get that passion that energy from you i look i'm doing a podcast now about irish league football off the back of, of of jumping in one game and for yourself how was the learning process of it is it just a case of doing it doing it getting all your notes together or bit by bit you find your rhythm find your flow a wee bit of all i would say there is a lot of research that, that you have to do during the week if you look at the legs of a cameraman or something like that that there's a very important or production or whatever that do that's a lot of time consuming stuff on a match day and stuff but with a comedy you know it's like nearly revising for your exams during the week. You know, you have to take a couple of hours out, get your facts and figures and, and things together. The more that you do it, the more confident you become in yourself. Don't overthink it. But it has been a big learning curve as well. You know, sometimes it's trying to learn, sometimes less is more, rather than constantly speaking all the time. You know, sometimes learning not learning when to speak and learning when just to let the atmosphere of what's happening on the screen speak for itself. It's a learning process too. But the more I've went on, the more I think I've grew into it. And like I say, you're very nervous at the start, you know. And I like to think some of the, the nerves have shackled off a wee bit as we've went along. It's easy with Porter Down as well because, you're, you know, with the in-house stuff, Porter Down, you're always commentating on Porter Down every week against somebody else. You know the Porter Down team. You know the facts and figures. They're ingrained in you. So it's not something like yourself if you're sent to, to cover two different teams that, you, that you're that you not used to or anything. You've sort of two bits of homework to do. I think sometimes people don't don't maybe see the work that goes on behind the scenes. It's not just sometimes turning up at two o'clock on a Saturday, flicking a few buttons and away you go. You know, there's a whole week's worth of, of effort that goes into it, and especially in the summer when you're preparing for the new season. You know, it's like countless and endless hours of, of uh, blood, sweat and tears to get to get yourself all organised for the start of that season and, and each match day. So we're a good team and I think we we do a um, good product. That unfortunately we can't help with the result every Saturday, but we think we can try and make everything else a wee bit better. I know you can't talk on behalf of other clubs, but I'm sure your experience would be a ringing endorsement for anybody out there who, even as a bit of a side thing to what they usually do during the week, that. Right now, with Irish League clubs, there might not be whatever role you want to do within your club, doing match reports, doing photography, filming, or even like yourself, doing commentary, when three years ago, you'd never done it. I'm sure you would say, if you have an interest in it, and uh, you want to give it a go, why not send that email or, or pitch it to the team you support, or whatever, you can even do it yourself, like I'm doing it with this podcast, just independently, like if you want to do it, give it a go, and you'll usually find somebody else that would absolutely love to have you writing match reports for the team's website, or doing social media and stuff like that, there is brilliant opportunities, and sometimes they're not always openly advertised, but if you're interested in it, sometimes the club could be the avenue where you could express your own passion. Exactly, I couldn't word it any better. Peter, never before have have I think Ashley teams have been at the you know so much media oriented probably in in Ashley history as clubs are at the minute and it's twenty four seven Ashley clubs sort of have to social media and everything like that you're you're trying to sell your club at the minute and trying to get people through the gates and a club is never going to turn a volunteer away clubs are crying out for volunteers you know in all aspects you know but I know that we're talking about media at the minute and um. Listen, there's roles there for everybody. It's really rewarding. Um, like, like you say, I never imagined three. I never imagined a year and a half ago I'd be doing commentary on a Saturday. Never mind three years ago. But I would thoroughly encourage anybody that has an interest in media and an interest in their local club to to raise their hand to go and speak to somebody because it's really rewarding. It's a brilliant experience. So you'll certainly be welcomed with open arms. I'm sure wherever you uh, 
whether you raise your hand. Tremendous, Johnny. There was not as many games that happened this weekend, but with that, I was able to see all three of them. And there's only one place to start, and we're going all the way back to Friday night at Seaview, where Balamina just blew this season completely up. We all know how poor they've been since the start of the year. They've been struggling to get goals, get points, anything. They were going up against the league leaders, a team who looked so cool, under pressure, had a tiny blip the week before against Coleraine. But when it comes to cup football, as much as Balamina have an incredible run in the cup since David Jeffrey took over on a plastic pitch, Friday night, that just seemed like Lawrence to win. But here we are now. Third will no longer get you where the league's sitting. European football. And Balamina go into their third Irish Cup in four years. The eighth Cup final of David Jeffrey's career. They turned up and they stunned Larne. So many permutations off the back of this. But there's only one place to start. How exquisite was Dougie Wilson's goal? It's magnificent. It was right in the the posted stop, wasn't it? And we couldn't have hit it, hit it any better. My surprise on Friday night was just how comfortable Balmina were. You know, like you said, there it was all set up. Lauren flying high in the league. Most are talking about them that the more or less got the league sewn up. Balmina really struggling. You know, I know there's been a bit of discontent at the showgrounds, you know, and no supporters aren't happy with David Jeffrey. They've had a poor season. The plastic pitch probably coming into play as well. You know, Lauren playing that sort of week in, week out. The odds were really stacked about Balamina, but they do have that Midas touch when it comes to cup football and, and coming to get into the cup finals. But I don't think anybody's seen it coming. You all of a sudden can manufacture it in reverse now that you see it's happened because Balamina have been great in the cup. Balomina are one of the only teams, if maybe the only team, that's been able to win at Seaview. Maybe this is their little place that works out for them. And Lauren haven't been in a goal rush themselves. And perhaps when the pressure was on, we weren't 100% sure were they going to stutter. Now, how did Balomina do it? It all comes from defence. Saying there was five at the back is probably an understatement at times. They were deep and they held their shape. Now, I have saw Balamina try and do this against Linfield earlier on in the season and it didn't go very well. But on this night, they flooded their own box with players. Lauren were frustrated. If there's one thing that we saw over and over and over again, it was players like Sean Want getting the ball, getting up to the halfway line, looking for a bit of space, looking to try and thread a pass in, not seeing it, coming back and passing it back on to his defender. They could not find an opening. Balamina just squashed down the player. They slowed it down. They weren't particularly exciting going forward themselves, but one way they were going to get a breakthrough was from getting in a set piece, and that's what they did. 20 minutes to go, up gets teenager Farquaad to head it in, and with 20 minutes to go, Lauren needed to come on to them and then when you're at that point where Lauren need to go for it and get the goal something like that majestic free kick is going to put you to bed it's the second time now that Balamina have got through to the final thanks to a glorious free kick and for Lauren I'm not saying it's panic stations but a defeat in a big game like a semi-final when the narrative is that they haven't been there and they don't know how to do it, Linfield are snapping at their heels after a few good wins. The next thing they need to do is just calm it down with a win because this could spiral. They haven't done it yet this season. It must be said they've got no form that they will, but they have five games to go and my goodness, do they wish it was like two. The thing that I would be worried about a wee bit from a Lauren supporter, just based on what I've seen on Friday night, is Lauren just seemed to me to not have a plan B. You know, you talk about the, the, the whole, the passing, and when, when that wasn't obviously working, you know, with Valamina set up the way you described her, it just seemed that Lauren didn't know what to do to break them down. It just had one plan, and it wasn't working. I was surprised, like, 
who's watching here as a board of Irish board, I know how good and how brilliant Lee Bonus is. I barely heard Lee Bonus's name mentioned on on Friday evening, probably because he was he was starved of of service for all the money that Lauren has spent. They haven't got over the line, you know. They haven't won an Irish Cup. They talk about the count, count the Andrew Shields. I don't really count the count Andrew Shield as a senior trophy. I do think Lauren will get stuttery. I think this defeat will worry their supporters. It could really test the mentality of the Lauren players because looking around that Lauren squad for as many great players as they have is there many within their, their squad that have a league title under their belt that have been there and done it winning a title no matter what level you're playing at it's a big thing I'm not saying the, the wings are going to come off or anything but I just don't think it's going to be as clear cut as people think it's going to be they've only scored one goal in four games and we always thought that this could be a little area that might be an Achilles heel they have great strikers. They absolutely do. They build really well from midfield. And they're not conceded, which is why they're so high up in the table. It's why they're top without a huge amount of marquee wins. They're in the driving seat. But you do look back at the last month and think, you need to get back going here because they have big games against Thimfield and Cliftonville. That Cliftonville away game is going to be huge. We saw... Only a few weeks ago, how they had Linfield on the ropes at home and they just didn't have that extra gear to break through and get the goal. It's about resetting for Lauren. And I don't want to make a massive deal out of, out of that result, but they weren't able to break that Balamina team down. And I think other teams in the top six will go, this is how we can do it. This is if we man Mark Miller and we try and shut down the balls coming from wide. Have Lauren been found out? We don't know. But they have the points. Let's go back to Balamina, who have just had, like I said, the worst 2023. There was all this talk of cutting down their bills. And now, yes, they're sitting in the section B, bottom six. But if they're able to do what they haven't done, but if they're able to right the wrongs, what they will see of last season's cup final and win and get into Europe, it's party time, guys. What what issues, what problems? We don't know to what extent those are, but forget about tightening the belts. It may be just the boost and the rejuvenation that that club needs. They've got a long way to go, but that could mean a lot to Balamina. The question is, as a Portown fan, what would you recommend Balamina do? Do they push and try and get the seventh place, which they're not out of, but based on their result against Glenavon, which is currently being played as we record this, could knock them out. Do they do what Portadown did, was it like seven years ago, where they pretty much said, we're in the cup final against Glentorn, we're going to chill out. Do they rest their players for the rest of the season? Or do they keep going fighting for it? Because if Dave McDade gets injured five minutes into Newry away or something, Balamina fans will not be happy. Funny enough, we, a couple of us were chatting on Friday night while watching the match, the different permutations. What was going to be the best thing for Portadown? Balamina getting to the cup final? Did they then take their foot off the pedal? Obviously, we're playing them on um, Good Friday. The thought was then, you know, if, if they're beat in the, the semi-final, you know, did their heads really drop? They've had a, like you say, a horrendous 2023. They get beaten the, that semi-final. Is they're down and out. They come to us down in the dumps and we can capitalise on, on that. I would thoroughly recommend them playing a, a weekend team on, on Good Friday. But also spoke about the thing of, you know, obviously Portadown go to Glenavon, the last game of the season. Personally, I don't want to be going to Mournview with Glenavon trying to seal that seventh place slot. If Balamina had fell away and Glenavon have seventh place all sealed by the final game of the season, would Glenavon take their foot off the, the pedal a wee bit and look towards those Euro playoffs and stuff like that? As you speak there, you know, it does ring those echoes of 2015 when Portadown got to the cup final, took their, their foot off the gas, thinking we've sort of got Europe sewn up. I think we had a couple of ways to secure Europe in those final six games. I think I remember us playing Glenavon at Mournview. I mean, was it the, the penultimate game? I think if we'd have won, we'd, we'd, have, we'd have sailed it. And we ended up didn't, didn't get Europe at all that season, even though we had two or three ways of going about it. 
with the Ballymena hat on. If you're coming going into a cup final in bad form, if you've rested players and the whole thing going into a cup final, it's hard then just to flick a switch and suddenly turn the form back on again. I would just go with my strongest team all the way up to the cup final and try and finish as high up in the league, try and get that seventh place and use the Irish Cup as a your sort of safety blanket if all goes to pot. But a supported iron supporter, I say a player week and team on Friday night against us. And well, one very bad for you there, Peter. And that's why I have media people like yourself on to give that view of the club. And <laughs> one good thing from your perspective is that Balamina will be playing on Friday and then Monday and then back on Friday again. That could be something that could benefit you. But you say there that you were looking on at the game thinking, how, how do we want this to go from a poor line perspective? What were you thinking? 10 minutes, five minutes to go at Mournview Park. Crusaders against Dungannon. You're thinking, you're probably looking at your time no matter what to tire out Dungannon, but were you thinking the same thing of, oh, maybe Dungannon get to the final? That could distract them. That could be like a focus away. Or could that spur them on, give them the confidence to go into the split? Buzzing. Ultimately, that wasn't be the case. It was the returning hero, Declan Cadell, who scored a cracker goal, bursting through an injury time but the sword into the Swifts. I thought Crusaders looked a bit tired. They didn't really get going. Dungannon somewhat frustrated them. They had to change things up and it didn't really seem to work. It just wasn't a coherent performance, I thought, from Crusaders. You could tell what Dungannon was doing. Dungannon was looking for them to play men forward, attack them on the break. Multiple times you saw players in the midfield area of Crusaders just waltzing into space going is someone going to come on to me is someone going to try and tackle me and there was a few moments of fear for Crusaders where Dungannon almost capitalised on it and almost got them but it was route one from Crusaders bounce on Declan Cadell's the hero he's going back to another Irish Cup final could he have believed it Crusaders it's a repeat now of last year's Irish Cup final Crusaders Balamina fascinating stuff Crusaders just always seem to do it, don't they? They always seem to get over there. We'll talk about the full-time, part-time difference in the Premiership and how important Europe is to teams. Even when they've had a rugby season, they're not finishing in the top two or top three. They always seem to get to that Irish Cup final and secure that European place. You were talking there about what way I was watching the match with a, with a ported iron head on. Yeah, I sort of went through those emotions as well, thinking to myself, you know, if Dungannon win this, do they take their, their eye off the ball and suddenly everyone's into the cup and their league formal dip? But um, I probably didn't want them to win, to be honest. You would imagine, you know, it's, it's difficult to pick yourself up from that. Again, it was another one of those games where you think Crusaders will win this comfortably, 2 or 3 nil. But, you know, the, the Swiss were resolute and, like you say, maybe Crusaders weren't at their best. But Palomino will certainly be out for revenge because what a way to, to lose a cup final like they did last year, conceding an injury time in normal time and an injury time in, in extra time. You know, you couldn't write it. You know, we've all seen the reports about the financial difficulties of a Palomino United. So I would imagine getting that European football is going to be vital for them for next season so all in all it really makes for an interesting cup final some reports would say that ported i missing out on that european money back was it seven years ago with that cup final with their league position that could have very much been a sliding doors moment of could they have reinvested did they have to change things up and that will be interesting to see how that pans out for balamina crusaders are giving balamina the eye saying hey we still scoring late goals and you better watch out come late in those games if we haven't already put it out of sight. It also shows you the real longevity of that Stephen Baxter team that they have there. You look at the players that were playing. Obviously, Cadell's the one that's getting the goal. You have Jordan Owens thrown on at halftime. I still think Paul Heatley's a really sharp player, albeit he doesn't have the real rapid speed that he might not have had. You still have BJ Burns at the back. They have built a really strong team there and it's doing the business. Not exactly the top end of where they'd want to be. But we are potentially coming to a time where when will these new faces jump through and be the next new backbone of the next great Crusaders side. But for Balomina, I did say, hey, David Jeffrey, what a brilliant cup record getting to. This now will be his eighth cup final. He's only got one of them. They've had a lot of disappointment in these finals. That only one being the League Cup back 
in 16-17. Right now, you'd have to say Crusaders are the favourites. But if Balamina can get their engine going again, feel themselves, be up for it, I think that could be a very entertaining and very even affair by the time May comes around. Definitely. You know, you speak there about that Crusader squad. It nearly feels like a last hurrah for the bulk of this Crusader squad. Like you said, players like Jordan Owens, Paul Hakeley. You know, I know Declan Cadell has come out of, of retirement. Jordan Forsyth, BJ Burns. Players like that seem to be a Crusaders forever, it feels. And that's been really their, their heartbeat and their, their backbone, so to speak. You know, maybe the last six, seven years. And it does feel like this is the last hurrah for that squad. It feels like this cup final maybe will be just maybe a good way for, for a few of those players to, to go out. Players like that that have given their all for Crusaders. So I'm sure that'll be in the back of their mind going into this Irish Cup final. Lots of them might think this, you know, I'll never get to another Irish Cup final possibly again. So it will be interesting. Yeah, you're talking there about again with my Portadown hat on. But I mean, I think this season very much remind me of a Portadown side. There's a lot of similarities between. 20, around that 2016-2017 Portadown, where Portadown were at as a club and also were at you know, as a team as well. There's a lot of, of similarities in regards to where Balamina are, you know, the difficulties they have and a manager that's been there and done it and is one of the most decorated managers in the game but has come under a bit of pressure. People saying, you know, he's he's a bit old school. So I'm sure David Jeffrey will be going out to prove a point as well. Eight cup finals, did you say, Balamina have been in? Under David Jeffrey's tenure, and I've only only got one. Um, I, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize it'd been in that many cup finals. But so, well, you wouldn't classify them because there's the odd uh, cut out of shield. But you know, you no, know, it, you I know, think it's a real interesting. It's a real interesting cup final. And um, again, you know, all the talk about all the full time teams in the in the Irish league and the gap and and everything like that. You know, you have two more or less part time teams in the in the Blue Ribbon Cup final, which is good to see. Well, I often say here about bringing guests on, being a scout, etc., etc. It can only go one way. Portadown were playing against Glentoran up at the Oval in what is the penultimate pre-split fixture. It didn't go well, Johnny. Uh, let's just let's just get the headline out there. Five-one, it ended. Plenty of things that that went on throughout the game. I think I would put it best. Your manager put it best. Glentoran win 5-1, but some parts of that Portadown display were absolutely kamikaze. It was a hard watch, I imagine. It was. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think the majority of Portadown supporters going to the Oval on Saturday, I don't think we're expecting to get three points. You know, a point, I would have been over the moon with a point. And I think most supporters would have been over the moon with a point. But I think, you know, probably need a bit of a reality check that, you know, where Glantorn are compared to Portadown. So a defeat was something I probably expected to an extent and wouldn't have been too disappointed with it. But it's probably the manner of the defeat which has maybe annoyed or disappointed Portadown fans. I think you're right now, Perry described it brilliantly when he called it some of the defending was kamikaze. And you look at, you know, you have the... the they had a back pass from Paddy McNally where Andre Masney's more or less near beside him. But I think he had to back blind. It's, it's a really poor goal to give away. I think the first goal even, it seems like Jed Donnelly has a free header within the six-yard box. Andre the Masney, the keeper, possibly should do better with the fifth goal as well. He seems to, to lose it a wee bit at the back post when the, the deep cross comes in. Glantorn nicked the ball at round about the halfway line for the second or third one and Jed Only more or less as a whole quarter down half to, to run, to carry the ball, to, to slot home. So it was the manner of the defeat and the manner of the goals. Um, but I think uh, maybe a bit of perspective is needed as well. I think for quarter down to go and get the res- a result at the Oval would have been you know, amazing, but I don't think many supporters expected that. Obviously, the same off of Paul McElroy is... As a major talking point, I could not... Salt salt in the wound is an understatement, I'd say. I could not believe it when Keith Kennedy pulled out the red card. It looked innocuous to me at the time. I have watched the replays back. A yellow card at best. I think Keith Kennedy isn't even looking at it. He seems to be looking in a completely different direction, but yet seems to take the red card out instantly. So he hasn't got 
to my mind, by looking back at it, he hasn't. It's not as if he's got the word from the fourth official or anything like that because he pulls the red card out instantly without really looking. At best, he's seen it out of the corner of his eye. You can't give a red card based on something out of the corner of your eye. You know, you need to be you need to see it or at least get advice from somebody that has seen it. Losing Paul McElroy for three games, if it, if it happens, I, I don't know if the club will appeal it or not. It's probably the major, the biggest blow of all that will have come out of Saturday, I think. It does remind me a fair bit with the Jordan Stewart red card in the oval, almost in the same area of the pitch, where if you haven't seen it, it's the player here, Paul McElroy. There's a Glen Torn player, Devlin, kind of down on the ground. They're both getting up. And like, the Glen Torn player has a wee tug on Paul McElroy's shirt. McElroy does shove him to the ground when he's half up, and he kind of does it round his chest. It's not particularly forceful but obviously there's enough to kind of shove him down and I would feel your frustration around what you're suggesting there with that referee saying it in, in, in full sight you know I don't usually spend time here criticizing referees but I, I understand as a fan how frustrating that would be I, I often think sometimes when I see decisions I disagree with it's often surrounded by if you're deciding this has happened what have you seen or what or if this hasn't happened how how hasn't this happened how what have you seen to say that that's going to be here you know if if that's not if that it's the whole thing where if that's not a file then it's a dive book him you know that kind of thing so in that situation that's tough i do think too the glenn torn player makes makes a melee but i don't think there's a bit of a shove i think mcelroy's trying to get up it seems like davin has his arm tugging in his shirt and then mcelroy gives him a, a bit of a shove on the way up i think davin makes a meal of it um, I just think it's a really poor decision and let's make no bones about it. Probably Paul McElroy in the January transfer window was Portadown's biggest investment based on him producing the goods to try and keep us in the league. And then to suddenly lose him, possibly for, for three, at least possibly three of the five split games is an absolute heartbreaker. I hope the club do appeal it and I hope since I've seen over it, although I'll probably won't hold my breath, to be honest. No doubt about it, Paul McElroy will be a huge loss. He's scored a fair amount of goals reported on since January. It took a while for him to get going, but he's been a key figure in the games that I've seen getting up top. His real quality seems to be the ability to run to the channels, bring it back. He's there in the right place at the right time, often when he's inside the box. Against Balamina, that's the game, I'm sure. You'd want to have him there that's coming up on this Friday, so that'll be difficult. Reflecting here on Glentoran, they've had this up and down season and they're out of the cup and they go into this split now trying to be the ones that ruin everybody else's season. They'll look at it now with four points off Linfield thinking, okay, there's one way we're going to get into Europe and that's through the league. We can get it automatically if we get second, but they've got to pull these other teams back down towards them. But they also want to position them well, get into a good rhythm, as we talked about, going into this playoff system, which they will, they'll be in no matter what. Despite the fact that Portadown were poor, there's Jed Donnelly scoring a hat-trick when he hasn't had a, a great season compared to his usual standards. Danny Perkis was quite impressive as well. Do you see if you were a Glen Torn fan, and I'm sure you don't want to see much optimism on behalf of that team, but did you see elements of, of that team that you think are quite impressive compared to some of the other top six teams that you have seen this season? I was probably most impressed. I thought Terry Davlin was very good for Glen Torn on Saturday. It's hard to judge Glen Torn because I didn't think you know, they won 5 1, but like we spoke about there, they capitalised on a lot of individual errors from Portadown on Saturday. I thought they won 5 1 without really getting out of second gear. I don't think Portadown really tested them, so I find it hard to judge just exactly how good Glentorn were on Saturday. But I do think, you know, a club with the finances and the size of Glentorn to go another season without securing European football, I think would be. Catastrophic maybe is too strong of a, of a word, but it certainly wasn't in the plan. And there could be a thing too where it could there could be a mentality thing as well going into the top six, bottom six split for the likes of, of Cliftonville. That's been there and thereabouts and maybe dropped off the pace a wee bit. It can be one of those things where form plays a part. 
Lantone maybe can come in and maybe some of those teams are like of a Crusaders are maybe going to take their eye off the, the ball a wee bit concentrate on the Irish Cup Littlefield could be going into those playoff games disappointed that they haven't get seconds and so I, I do think Lantone have a, have a chance but they're very inconsistent I would imagine out of all the teams they're the most inconsistent of the lot and they'll have to deal with the one team they haven't been able to deal with and that is Clippenville if they don't come second you know, that we I can say here and I can be proponent saying, look how good Glentorn are, how will Crusaders fare knowing that they've got that Irish Cup final. You're right, not getting into Europe for Glentorn is, it's a per season, no matter what way you look at it. They've got, in the last five games, they've got four wins. But if they are to qualify for Europe, they're going to have to do something they haven't done, beat Cliftonville. They're going to have to get a big result against Linfield one way or the other as well for it's, if it's to come there. So they're looking good, but they've got a long way to go if they're to finish this season on a high. We shift to the news segment, and top of this segment is that Jamie Glacken's 10-game ban that was handed to him for comments that were allegedly made online by an account associated with him has been overturned. Um, I'm going to go straight to the Belfast Telegraph here because I'm not in there. I'm not getting information any other way. So I'm going to go through other people's reporting. Belfast Telegraph said that the bandsiders appealed the decision and were able to get the ban overturned on the grounds that the player did not make the comments and they came from another party. So that is the decision that's been made there. I have no other information bar that. I don't have a report from the IFA telling me or, or or the committee saying this is why it hasn't happened what evidence they had but if you're korean for this season and beyond they will be delighted to have one of their key creative forces back in their team for the foreseeable as regardless of the offense 10 games is a long time to be out of playing football it would have extended all the next season yeah, and I, I'm the same as you. I don't know too much about it. I've just read it in the Belfast Telegraph. I have to say, I was surprised. I don't know. Does it set a precedent going forward? It is what it is. I'm sure Korean fans will be, will be happy. It seemed a pretty cut and dry case to me when I compared it to the appeal that we didn't get overturned. I do probably think it'll be a lesson, even though we know Jamie Glack and you know the appeal has been overturned and he, he won't serve a 10-game ban, it probably will be a lesson to a lot of players to be careful with their social media use regards of what, what can happen, what the punishment could be. Like you said, that would have carried over to to next season. As a board of support, as, as you opened this piece with, it just seems frustrating. I look at some of the appeals that have been heard over the past few weeks. When I look at the three cases, I'm including Portadown in those three cases, Portadown seemed like the one that was most open to interpretation. The one that was most, you know, it, it didn't impact on the result as such and things like that. Yet the other two have had their appeals overturned while Portadown unfortunately didn't. I agree with what you said there when it comes to players and social media. What it was alleged to have been posted by Jimmy Glackin. That should be for all players. That should be a line in the sand saying, the IFA saying, this is the rule. It relates to social media too. If you weren't aware of that, and if you post something similar or or goes against the guidelines that they highlight, this could be the punishment that, that comes through. It's funny that I have a Portown fan on again. Uh, it's during the week. How about a fun the Danske Bank, and this will be the last time I say this, and it's actually the first time because I don't m- mention sponsors here. The Danske Bank Premiership is no more. It will be no more after 11 years. They will not be the sponsor. I believe they were in the running to, to get it again, but this says that they have not been successful or they're, it's not going to happen. And we're going to have a new sponsor. Could this be across all forms of football? We'll have to see. I only bring that up because then there was a big discussion about sponsors and then we talked about kit sponsors and all the rest and what i feel is the nuki brown ale to newcastle sponsorship of the irish league tato and portadown that just felt like a marriage made in heaven what a beautiful kit that was and it seems quite humorous but also tato on a kit just looks 
so 90s and, and so great. I know. Um, I look at, you know, a picture from that. I think there's there's a picture, the best picture I see of that, you look at, I think it's of um, Richard Clark, possibly, and it's just it's just an iconic um, borderline kit. The, the iconic thing about it is borderline didn't win anything in that kit, but it's still one of those kits that's widely regarded as, as borderline's finest ever ever kit. And you're talking about Danske Bank there as well, you know, suppose of, of a certain generation, people always associated Smyrna, the Smyrna Irish League was a generation's sponsor that they associated with that league, while another younger generation of, I think, Danske Bank were about for 12 years, and that's that. You know, there's always those those sponsors associated with, with the league or a generation at a certain time and, and kits like that, but no, certainly that ported iron Tato kit is a, is a joy to behold, and I'm lucky to have one of the replica shirts up in my my wardrobe here of my pride and joy. Tremendous. There is also a Cliftonville Kit Kat kit. Looked pretty sweet as well. So obviously nice kits around the league now. But yes, Danske Banks no more. What will it be? Probably something a wee bit boring because we're all mature and fancy now. But hey, we can all dream that it's a bit funny and a bit bantery when it comes to the Irish League. We look ahead to this week's fixtures. And the first thing that you'll all notice, or that you should put in your diary because you've probably forgotten about it, game week one of the split, game week 34 of the league, and it's happening on a Friday. All games are happening on a Friday. Very League of Ireland this. I think many people have called for this type of thing to happen. We have games happening on a Tuesday. Now we have a Friday late kickoff all across the league in one go. I think it's a great idea. I think if it's successful, I think you could see this being integrated in the league maybe three, four times a season. I believe your manager, Nal Curry, is a fan. Are you a fan or do you like your wee Saturday, three o'clock? You're loyal to tradition. It's a wee bit like the, the um, 3G grass pitch debate. You'd love to play in grass because you're a traditionalist, but you know probably best for business is a, is a 3G pitch. I feel the same probably about I love football on a Saturday at three o'clock. But I honestly from a ported down perspective and being at the games, there's a real niche there about the games on the on the Friday night. Even I know Ported Down have had a couple of half five kickoffs as well on a Saturday evening. And they've been really popular. Um the crowds have come out. We've had great crowds, great response. And there's just something about the atmosphere as well. Um but I think it's important to try and cater for everybody as well. You have people that want their three o'clock kickoffs, you want people that like their Friday night kickoffs. And I think you know, a mixture of all of all three is um is really good. But I know at, at Portadown Football Club we're big big fans of it. It's really worked for us. It's brought the crowds out. Been great atmosphere. You know, we played now a lot of that maybe you put down to the games and the results. You know, we beat Glen Avon in the half five kickoff, I think it was on the Saturday evening. And we beat Dungallon Swifts on the on the Friday night. So obviously you associate, you know, everything has worked there. You know, the result, everybody's on the high. It's It's been a, a brilliant experience for everybody all around. But I do think going forward, the Irish League is going to have to be, it's more flexible to have games on Friday nights and different kickoff times because everybody's different. There's always that old, old chat about a lot of your support, a lot of the people that you're aiming at are playing football at three, at three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. So you're missing a lot of people out by going up against that. Clubs ultimately need to do what's best for themselves. Some clubs mightn't work on a Friday night, so I think that it's good that it, it, it allows the clubs to um, to change. Certainly for Portadown, Friday night and even a Saturday evening has been a great success for us. You mentioned 3G. It would be remiss of me not to say to yourself that that could be a reality potentially. There's plans out there publicly for the redevelopment of Shamrock Park and as a part of that plan could see a artificial surface have you come to terms that could be the future I have, as I was saying there, again I would love football to be played in grass and you know it's what we've grew up with and if you're a traditionalist that's that's the way you want it but you can't argue with the benefits of a 3G surface a 3G surface sir, in regards to Portadown it makes Shamrock Park a real hub of the community it means that the ground can be open from 10 o'clock in the morning to 10 o'clock at night people can be using the facilities using that pitch it makes it a real like I've said there, a hub of the community it makes it a real place to go there's different things in that can come out of that then if you if you have things you know you're you're having that pitch used in regards to the Portadown area Getting training facilities is extremely difficult 
and you're paying on any training facilities you do get and or that you do manage to, to book, you're paying through the nose for them. You know, and there's not only the border down first team you have to worry about, you have your under twenties, your under eighteens, all the youth teams, all the um the ladies team as well. You know, they're all having at the moment to train in different places and can also make the club money be a, a, in the business side of things and it, it allows the youth and the ladies and all the teams to make that Porter Down Shamar Park one stop shop, their home. Everything's there, they're training, everything's there instead of maybe going to Brownstown one week or going to Tandra Gay or going here, there and everywhere. So um I think from all those points of view, it's it's a no-brainer, to be honest. We'll have to see. That is in the pipeline how soon it could be that there is an artificial surface at Shamrock Park. On its current configuration, that would make the league 50-50. And no doubt uh, we'll be talking a lot about artificial surfaces as it all goes along. And as you mentioned there about the amount of people that are playing games at the same time at 3 o'clock, if you haven't listened to last week's podcast with Stuart Cherry we had a big discussion in regards to that about changing times and when they play RC football and he sat there and he had done the math and he suggested to me that there's potentially upwards of 8,000 people in Northern Ireland every Saturday who are otherwise engaged around the three o'clock time not able to go and attend RC football so that kind of shows you but of course there's a variety of things you can do. There's lots of different discussion points and topics that we can get into. And I know that I will do as the podcast moves on. But we're going to chug straight to this Friday. How will they come off against Glenavon? We don't know that as of time of recording. But we'll start at Shamrock Park. You've done it once before. where You've got a big deficit that you need to bring down. I know this phrase is used quite a lot. But down at Shamrock Park against Balmain United, this is must-win, Johnny, isn't it? I really think it is. You know, in essence, pour down a five-cup finals, and I don't want to go out at the first hurdle. It's it's a big game, so it's it's a massive game for Porter Down. Porter Down are capable of a result. You know, this last few months at Shamrock Park, Porter Down, they've got their their act together, and it could be a match for anybody. And on their day, and if they play with the same tenacity and the same. The same way that they've played against Glen Avon and Crusaders and Dungan and Swifts, I think Portadown can get a result. A lot is going to hinge on a lot. You know, there is that question mark over Paul McElroy. Is you know he he will be a he will be a miss if he is suspended for the game. Portadown season could be decided in within the next eight days. You know, we we'll have that game on Good Friday, home to Newry on Easter Tuesday, and then home to Carrick Rangers on the Saturday so it's it's really a, a massive week for the club but I'm, I'm confident that they can they can get a result on, on Friday night I appreciate this is a, a difficult question due to your connection with the club and all the work that you do around it and I'm sure you've potentially been coming to terms with the idea as the season has progressed on you obviously don't want to even think about it at this stage, but when you look at the idea seven points behind next season, Portadown might not be a top flight team. Do you feel as though Niles come in and regardless of what happens, has started to build a foundation where it can be a bounce back rather than what happened a number of years ago where Portadown went down and many would say if it wasn't for the for the COVID situation there there wasn't a guarantee that they were going to get back up in that third bite of the cherry. Up until Niall come in, I honestly struggled to see where we were going to get a goal, never mind get a point. I think Niall has brought a feel-good factor to the club. I think he has brought players that care about the club, want to do their best for the club, know the, the Irish League, and he's given us hope. Because honestly, I look back to October, November time, I didn't have much hope. To be honest, I thought we could be relegated by, by January, to be honest. So I think there's that feel-good factor around the club at the minute. And I think the found, like, I think you put it right there yourself, the foundations have been set. If the worst comes to the worst, I think we are in a good place to bounce back. As we all know, the Championship, though, is a mad league. I've had three years of experience of it, and it's not somewhere I want to go back to. Um, but, you know, I know we, we said this before back in 2017 or, or whenever it was, there's no better man to bring Portadown back up. I think Portadown as a football club were in a different place in 20, you know, 2017. There was 
still dealing with a lot of turmoil, a lot of different behind-the-scenes issues back then. I think the club is in a very good place off the pitch at the minute. And I think like, so the worst comes to the worst. I think the foundations have been put in place that you know we are in a in a good position to bounce back. Ned has a great, not only Ned, but he's a great backroom staff behind him there as well. John McAllister and Stephen, Stephen Hines and Cliffy Adams and, and Dean Crow and, and the fellas like that. You know, he's he's instilled players that know the club from about the town and as well as John McAllister and Clifford Adams and stuff. So if the worst comes to the worst, we are in a, in a good place, hopefully, to bounce back. But I'm not giving up hope. I still think still think we, we can do it. You're absolutely right. And I'm sure people who are fans of Irish League podcasts are probably sick of this ported on renaissance that everyone's been talking about getting excited because i think i'm happy to go on record and saying that if ported on were to survive or even just finish 11th and then they would still have work to do it would be the greatest escape in rsd history i think there's no doubt about it how poor they were and the run they've been able to go on some of those big games under the lights have been remarkable you have that mad nuri game only a few weeks ago added in it has all of the seasoning to make for an incredible story but they have to do things on the pitch like getting a win against balamina will balamina be up for it or will it be shattered after a big big week and as you said within the next 10 days Portadown's fate could be sealed or they could be sitting there pretty the other games that you'll be looking at you'll be having a blue scarf around your neck metaphorically when Glenavon hosts Dungannon for Portadown perspective this is a must win for Glenavon isn't it? <laughs> it definitely it definitely is um, I can't say how disappointed we were that um Newry beat Glenavon a couple of weeks ago. I think that's Newry's only victory since way before Christmas anyway. Glenavon notoriously get it difficult against Dungan and Swifts. But Glenavon's picked up a bit of form. I think they're unbeaten in their last their last four. Um, you know, they're they're hunting down that seventh place Euro playoff. So I hopefully um Glenavon come through for us. Obviously, you know, the Nobbins still want us on boxing there. They're, they're, we're a wee bit like their noisy neighbours. You know? <laughs> I love this theory. I, lo- I love this kind of theory where it's like the brother who like wants to push you around, but they don't want you to actually leave, you know? it's it's. I love this kind of theory of like, they're going to, Glenavon are going to win for the sake of Porta Down just so they can beat them on boxing day. It's like, yeah, we just want to do it so we can beat them. I love this theory. For the sake of Mid-Ulster, Peter. Um, hands across the divide and all that. Oh my goodness, my goodness. Well, uh, Dungannon will feel as though they had a decent showing against uh, Crusaders and the same way where when I will talk about Newry and Portown against Glavon, against any of these teams in the bottom six, they'll ultimately really, really have to win against the teams around them. But if you take Newry, Dungannon and Portadown, they'll look at Balamina, Carrick and Glenavon as the games they need to win to try and push on. Obviously, Portadown is the team seven points behind not great goal difference. They're the ones with the least amount of slippage. How it goes, I just don't know because ultimately that Monday game could play into it. I think Glenavon will need to push and push and push and they're such a maverick team. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't predict one way or the other. Then the other game, Cark against Newry. Every time I think of this fixture, I think of the big massive uh, Lockhart goal that was scored down at Taylor's Avenue to kick off the season. Ultimately, Carrick were able to win that game outright. Will they do it again? Nuri are, are, are struggling for goals, but they almost did it on Gannon and, and got any kind of points against Cliftonville a few weeks ago. Once again, Portadown have had very poor returns when they went to Taylor's Avenue. You'll hope Nuri comes back with nothing as well. I look at this, the split fixtures and I look at Nuri and I people talk about Portadown hunting down Dungan. So I honestly think the team Portadown are hunting down is Nuri. I think Newry have had a, an impressive start, but they have dropped like a stone since then. You know they got the they got the three points in November against us, and I think the only other three points they picked up since then was that victory against Then I think you know when you look not to, to harp back to that, but uh, the appeal and the three points that Portadown lost against Newry really was a six point swing. If Portadown had got those three points, you're going into the split one point behind Newry with Newry to come to. To Shamrock Park, um, so it's that's gotten to say the least. But it is what it is. Um, Newry just seemed devoid of any confidence. They just it, it looked to me like a team that could go the whole split without winning a game. 
to be honest. Um, and I hope so as well. <laughs> and, you, and you'll be praying for that as well, yes. I imagine, Johnny. With, with that being said, one of the most interesting fixtures for me is Dungannon against Newry City on the final day. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing if you were a Portadown fan from a Portadown perspective. Are you like, okay, we have to do our own thing and push on with that? Or does that potentially set up a situation where you're like, oh my goodness, is that a marriage of convenience for them both? It probably isn't because both neither of them will want to finish 11th and either face a lock all who have had a good season or a resurgent form point. But looking at that, does it make you sweat knowing that they're the last game to play? Or are you happy that ultimately, for your own heart, you can decide which team you really want to win that? It's not ideal, but at the hands of the Hunters, it's about what we do as well. I want us to be in that situation on the last day of the season where it's all to play for and pour it down still have a chance of finishing 11th or 10th or whatever it is. Like you say, it could be a more convenience. Uh, a draw there and then Portadown winning somehow leapfrog them both would be utterly ridiculous. I don't know the permutations that would make that happen, but it would be mental. You were, going, you were saying there about earlier on about uh, the great escape and stuff, and if, and if Portadown did, if there was some sort of permutation where Portadown managed to leapfrog both of them or, or whatever it is, but... You were talking there about the great escape. I honestly think that if Niall Curry does keep Portadown up, it is up there with Ronnie McFall winning winning the first league league championship. It's not far behind it in terms of achievement and where he's coming from and, and what he's done. Um, but no, uh, I hope it doesn't go down to the final day because I think my watch, a heart monitor my watch, and I think there'll be smoke coming off it for about two hours that day so the three big games at the top Linfield against Crusaders Lorne against Glentorn Cliftonville against Coleraine favourites going in is probably the top three Linfield over Crusaders Lorne over Glentorn and Cliftonville against Coleraine although that's always a spicy fixture it's going to be Lorne against Glentorn on TV ooh that's a tough one for Lorne yes Glentorn come back it's famously the most boring game of Irish League history at the start of the season. Now we go back to Inver Park to see it all over again. After seeing Glen Torn, as you said, only really win after going through second gear. This is a nice chance for Lauren to come out quick. I wonder, will Lauren come out of the blocks fast to try and get an early goal and say, we're in charge, you're hunting us, remember? Yeah, I would agree. I think Lauren probably will want to get that early goal to settle the nerves. Maybe the longer the game goes on, the more nervous Lauren become. I just, I see a draw there, to be honest. I think so too. It's one of those things where actually, if Glentorn are going to score from a Lauren perspective, score early. Yeah. You know, I, I saw in that game at the Oval that Port and I were not dealing with Glentorn's shape. They rarely play against a, a team in that shape. It was almost a situation where Glentorn scored the goal. Poor down. We're like, okay, right, we're down here. All right, we're one down. Now it's time to just play football. All right, because we can't just hold back. We need to push forward. I wonder for Lauren, do they do they almost need Glentorn to score first so that they can wake up and, and push forward? Because Glentorn aren't particularly well known for their sitting back and taking on pressure. That that defensive solidity has, has not been the biggest strong point. They're great at the back. They had a great run at the start. But seeing out games hasn't always been their way. There's been a few 1-0 wins to them. It's usually by blasting teams away. Cliftonville, they need three points or they can forget about the league title very, very simply. And in many ways, if they don't win, they can almost forget about second as well. Just depends. Yeah. it's. I'm sure uh, from a Cliftonville point of view, you know, the season promised so much and within what a fortnight... They could be out of the league tight race, out of the not out of the Irish Cup. From their point of view, it's all going to be about the mentality. I think that Cliftonville's out of the tight race as it is. I think they're playing for for third spot, to be honest. So it's just how they put those results behind them. And probably, if I was them, I, I imagine all eyes are going to be focused on the the Euro, European playoffs. Linfield are the team that host Crusaders. Could Crusaders do Cliftonville a favour? I must say, on a big pitch like Windsor. A oftentimes sludgy pitch like Windsor, it's like the Crusaders' kryptonite. 
in many ways. That's not what they like. They didn't like going down to Shamrock Park. They didn't enjoy their two trips to Moorview Park. I'm not saying they can't play on grass, but it doesn't really help them. After a big game against Dungannon and Linfield rested, this feels like a game that Linfield can put down their own marker and say, we're up for this fight and we can take care of these top six teams very well. And in their home patch, that would be great, I'd say, if you were a Blue fan. Yeah, I, I agree. I see Linfield winning this quite comfortably. You know, um, Crusaders have had that big semi-final and I think they're... they're possibly will have eyes on the, on the Irish Cup final as well. You know, as you have said there, they do struggle, you know, at Windsor a bit. So I, I can see Linfield picking up three points and really putting the pressure on, on to Lorne as I don't think Lorne will, will beat Glentorn on Saturday. Johnny, it's been a delight to have you on. Before we go anywhere, Portadown were in the playoff last season against Anna United. And if we can be optimistic for the fortunes of the Shamrock Park men, at the minute, if they were to finish 11th and get a playoff, I think you'd bite their hand off and take it no matter what. What would make you more nervous, lock all or warm point? Two teams that I think you've had tricky histories with. Yes. Now, um, we played Legal in the championship. Now, I think, I think we beat Legal every time we played them. In the championship, from memory, one point was a bit more tricky, especially going. We always struggled going up to Milltown. I can only really remember us winning there once or twice. So probably one point. I think the second leg would obviously be at Shamrock Park, which offers you a wee bit, of, wee bit of comfort there. But listen, a, a playoff, I will take anybody, and I have full confidence that whoever Borderline would meet in a playoff, I think there's that Borderline have now that quality of that goal scoring threat that I think they would come through a playoff. Um, if they do come through a playoff, I think lessons have to be learned um, in regards to recruitment and things like that. Um, I think lessons were learned in regards to who Niall brought in in January. So I would have every confidence in, in Portadown getting through a playoff. And fingers crossed to do. Well, let's hope for your sake and, and, and many other fans of Portadown that your greatest commentary moment is ahead of you. And it's screaming breaking the levels on a mic and if it sounds awful then it's probably a good thing because it would be you going crazy for for some goal i could just imagine what you must have been like watching that comeback against nuri down at the showgrounds and that was an epic moment this season no matter what happens and uh, regardless of what happens ported on i think they will be a miss to the league if they go down but look you don't get the stand divisions based on what is coming through your turnstiles it's about the points you win on the pitch so good luck for the rest of the season but johnny where can people find uh the things you do and the stuff you say and and get involved in some of these commentaries listening wise the the ported down social media feeds and ported down fc on twitter on, on facebook we are ports tv.com if you want to get purchase live streams and we are ports tv on youtube as well we bring great content on there. We do some uncut stuff as well. Um, we some had an uncut video there. We had kindly look for a pre-match lunch a couple of weeks ago, and Richard Jamison that helps behind the scenes with us as well. Um, is is good at that. So, you no, know, plenty of ported iron football club media content out there on on all the, the normal social media platforms and on We Are Ports TV on YouTube. And if there's many Portown fans that are out there listening to this thinking this all sounds great, I'm sure I can also give you a chance to promote the We Are Ports supporters club that they can get involved with. Yes, um, We Are Ports is a, a membership club at Portadown Football Club. It was set up around about 2017 when Portadown were really in, in, in dire straits. It's got over 100 members and those members um, pay £12 a month to join We Are Ports. That money then is only spent within the football club. Members get to vote on where that money is spent. It's not just a case of your money gets spent and you don't know where it's going. You get to vote on where that money goes. There's different benefits of being in, in, in We Are Ports as well. We run different events. It's a democratic membership society. People contribute, you know, their £12 a month spent within the, within the football club and they get to vote where that money goes. And it's just, you know, there's no money goes on players or anything like that. It's all different things in and around the football club. There we go. And uh, Johnny, I will say goodbye. Really appreciate you coming on. 
And uh, have you got like a Twitter account that they can follow you personally? Do you have like cat memes or anything they can go check out? <laughs> no cat memes, unfortunately, Peter. But I'm on Twitter at Dunlop Johnny. Um, if you want to be bored by my exciting life, you can you can follow it there. Every life is thrilling, Johnny, and you've been a delight to have on. <laughs> Thank you so much, and hopefully we can chat again very soon. Been a pleasure, Peter. Thank you very much. Saying it's because I watched some wrestling over the weekend, but I feel like over the next few weeks I'm gonna find some reason to describe a game as an absolute slobber knocker. And I feel like over the next while, one of these games will deliver. It's the end of the pod, you know the score. If you want to keep up the date with all the fun and frolics that goes on in the kicking match universe, aka social media, you can hit me up on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook, it's all at Kicking Match there. You can also ask your little smart speaker to play this podcast aloud, hands-free. Just say, hey, smart speaker, please play Kicking Match, an Irish League podcast, and I've seen you little numbers creeped up. You can also follow me, if it is, of course, your listing platform of choice. You can be a subscriber, or sorry, the term is a follower of the pod on Spotify. I would appreciate it, and it should hopefully give you a wee bump whenever i get these pods up until next time enjoy the friday game if you get to it and i will see you again very soon cheerio toodles goodbye